To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Bench Warmers Podcast, episode 133. The Opinionated Bench Warmers are back to do what we do best, and that's discuss sports. Got my brother Ramon in here again today. Uh obviously Los won't be here with us today, but we'll hold it down for him as always, man. And what's going on, Ramon? How you doing? Man, I'm pretty good, man. Uh hasn't been too bad of a day. Uh kind of ready to jump into it. Like you said, man, shout out to Los. Uh, we holding it down for our brother in his absence. Uh, but man, I'm I'm just kind of just ready to get to it. But I just realized, bro, you know, you always ask us how we doing, bro. And I, I feel like, you know, we kind of leave you hanging a little bit and, <laughs> and don't give you that chance to reciprocate that enough. So how are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, I'm back here doing what I love to do. And, you know, a lot of sports to talk about. So I'm feeling great. Feeling great. Well, that's good. I just wanted to give you the opportunity, bro. You oh, always yeah, play to us. But yeah. yeah, man, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, I throw the lobs up. You know, it's, it's good to get it back sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, we, we got a lot to get into, man. We won't get in the way. Of course, we got the NBA playoffs going on right now. Uh, we've been locked in. We got a couple big uh, – well, the biggest signing that we've been probably anticipating for a couple months and Aaron Rodgers to discuss. Um, and then we got NFL draft stuff to kind of gloss over. Uh, but we'll start off with the um, – I guess we'll start off with the second round of the playoffs. We had the first uh, – well, the first game of the second round start today with the Miami Heat and the New York Knicks, uh, which should be a good series. It didn't leave anything to be desired. Uh, Miami battled as they always did. Jimmy Butler is really making a statement as a legendary playoff player um, after coming off of his what – he, what, he had 56 last game uh, in a game. What was that, game seven? Oh, uh, no, so uh, he had the big uh, the 51. That was uh, game five when he did that, and then they came. No, that was game four when he did that, and then they came in game five and, yeah, and closed five. them out. Closed them out, yeah. So, um, I mean, he's he's an amazing player. We always know that historically he steps up in the playoffs. Um, and then we had a game seven. That's what I guess I got my strings uh, kind of crossed. Though. We had a game seven between Golden State and the Kings today, which we, we're recording right after that, um, 7-12. Eastern time. So, I mean, we kind of can get into the first game. Um, there's there's kind of a little bit to talk about there, some interesting matchups, but then we'll move on to the game seven and then we'll move on to the second round. But, Ramon, what did you feel? How do you feel about this matchup between the Heat and the Knicks? And uh, currently the Heat is up yeah. one game. Um, they was able to get one in Madison Square Garden, which is huge. So they're up uh, one game to zero right now. Um, so, you know, good game. Yeah. Good series. I, right. No, I think that it has an opportunity to be a good series. It's kind of like a flashback to the 90s of that Heat-Knicks rivalry that was there back in the day. 
Um, yeah, so taking it a little back right there. But uh, what I will say is this series is honestly going to be tough for the Knicks, you know, until they can get Julius Randle back. Uh, I do know that, you know, on today, uh, he didn't have the opportunity to play today due to his injury. Um, and so to me, that's what this series honestly hinges on. I believe that it's a series that uh, could potentially go, you know, far to maybe a game six or something of that magnitude. But honestly, if Julius Randle isn't playing and the longer that he has to be held out of this series, uh, to me, you know, it obviously tips the scales in the favor of the Miami Heat. And I think that if Julius Randle doesn't come back as far as game two or potentially game three, um, then I believe that it it will be a relatively short series without him. Um, I thought that today was, you know, a pretty pretty good game, pretty intriguing game. I mean, you saw R.J. Barrett actually uh, come to life, uh, someone who really struggled in his first-round series. Um, obviously, Jalen Brunson is still being Jalen Brunson. And, and Jimmy Butler, like you were talking about, just him from uh, what he does routinely year in and year out in the playoffs – I don't know why he wants to kind of run away from that of him being a playoff performer and taking it up a notch. Like he he didn't like all the kind of ways that people were talking about him in the first round. But this is honestly what we see. Like when we watch Jimmy Butler in the regular season, we see a guy that's kind of a we see an all star caliber, maybe a mid tier all star type of player. And then he gets to the playoffs and he turns into just a superstar. You know, you, you look at a guy that becomes a top five, top three player in the league when it comes to the playoffs. So uh, with all of that being said, like I said, if Julius Randle can't, can't come back soon enough, it will be a short series in the favor of the Heat. But if he can come back, I think that it could be a long series. Yeah, you can't say enough about Jimmy. I mean, you look at the last series against the Bucks and in that 51 point performance, He's going down, giving buckets. He scored like the first. He scored like 20, 21 points uh, for the for the Miami Heat in, in in the first quarter. But then you look at it on the other end. He's guarding Giannis on the other end. Like Giannis is posting him up. He's literally playing both sides of the floor. He's all over the place. He's a guy that even if you aren't a fan of him, you just have to respect what he gives. He leaves it all out on the floor and gives it his all. And Ramon, I don't know what he – I guess it's a mental thing with him that he doesn't want to look at himself as a different player, but he's definitely a different player when it comes down to playoffs. And, I mean, it, it's nothing to say. I mean, even even if you watched him tonight, I mean, today in the game, I mean, he's, he's everything for the Heat. Uh, I don't think he really had um, – that popped out stuff stats. I mean, he had 25 and 11. So, I mean, whether you, he's given a rebounds or whether he's, he's scoring, I mean, he just finds a way to get the job done. Whatever I've, I've said this last year. I've said it all the time. Jimmy B just does exactly what you need at the exact moment that you need it in the playoffs. And I think, you know, like you said, I mean, it, I don't know how severe uh, this ankle injury is for Julius. I mean, it must be pretty severe that he missed game one. But if he plans on missing an extended amount of time, it's going to be really, really tough for the Knicks to overcome the heat. And then, you know, Jimmy B is really the the X factor here. Um, Julius has to get back because that Knicks just doesn't have the offensive power that that Julius brings. And, you know, Jalen Jalen is good. Jalen Bronson, we know what he gives consistently. But as you kind of m- mentioned, uh, R.J. Barrett is not really all that consistent. So who, know, who knows if he's going to have a great game that he had. He was 50% from the field today. Um, but, you know, who knows what he's going to do the next game. So they really need Julius back. If Julius doesn't come back, they don't have a shot in this series. I agree 100%. Yeah, man. So 
we'll see the next game that they have on Monday. Will it? I mean, Tuesday they they match up again. So we'll see. I mean, it's it's, it's going to be a good series. But um, then we had the game seven, which was pretty a pretty good game up until I guess around the third quarter it got kind of ugly with the Warriors and the Kings, uh, one twenty to one hundred. Who says that the Warriors can't battle on the road? Um, personally. As a Lakers fan, as Lakers fans, we're sitting there, and um, which we'll we'll kind of preface it just by discussing the Lakers because we're fans of them. We're waiting here. Who did you have a preference of facing the Kings or Golden State? All right, man. So I knew this question would probably come, and uh, this was one that was a little bit of a tough one because when you look at from a, just a matchup standpoint, we throughout the regular season matched up better with the Warriors. But that playoff experience, you know, I, I preferred, honestly, to match up with the Kings, you know, as we even saw not getting into the game seven too much. But we saw that difference in what it means to be on that big stage and being used to being on that big stage. Uh, so to honestly simplify the answer, uh, I was hoping that the Kings will win and that we would face the Kings. I go the other way on that. I mean, I could lean either way, but I ultimately uh, I think me and Los was talking offline about this. I. I was leaning towards the Warriors, and he kind of talked me into the Kings a little bit, but I just think feel like the Warriors. Uh, I think AD is going to have to have a huge series this 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 series offensively, um, defensively. We know what he did against Memphis. He had over twenty blocks in the, in the entire series. Um, he was a force. He and I think he's going to have to do that t- today. I mean, this series, and he's going to have to really combat Kevin Looney, which we saw he had like what 20, 20 something rebounds today. Um, so I mean. We're gonna have to yeah. neutralize Looney, but I really don't feel like the the Warriors have a big man that could match up with AD outside of Looney. So AD's gonna have to step up. He's he's you know he had a a good defensive series this this past series with the Memphis, but offensively he left a lot to be desired, and and which is which is another series which he thought he would dominate because Stephen Adams was out. But I mean I just feel like I, I like the I like the Warriors matchup just because I got, you know, you got LeBron who's going to be extra motivated because he's tired of the noise and the, and the silent comparisons between him and Steph Curry. Uh, and then it's just an intriguing matchup either way. But I, I got this thing going uh, seven games here, and I got the Lakers ultimately advancing to the conference finals. Yeah. Um, and looking at the series, like you said, I think it'll be a really good series. I honestly have it Lakers in six. Uh, I think that the Lakers will will need to go ahead and get it closed out. Uh, at I hate calling it crypto. I still want to call it Staples Center. Can I? No, can Staples. I? Yeah, okay. Staples, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that the Lakers will ultimately get it closed out at Staples Center. Um, the only thing, like I said, that my part of my reasoning as well too is just that when you look at it from a matchup perspective. I don't really love any of our guys chasing off all those screens that that Steph is going to be coming off. Uh, you know, I believe that honestly in that Sacramento series too, even though it still isn't the greatest thing, I think that you could have used Vando in a kind of similar ways that you used him against Ja on De'Aaron Fox. I don't love Vando guarding Steph uh, because of the, the off-ball action with Steph and all the screens that Steph comes off of. Um, and, and then I look at just from a defensive standpoint, I think that Kevon Looney is a better defender than, uh, really any of what Sacramento has down low. Do I think that he'll be able to stop AD or shut down AD? No. Um, you know, I do believe that things will free up a little bit more for AD because you don't also have 
that uh, consistent threat of Jaron Jackson Jr., whether he is coming weak side to, you know, come and help against AD or whether he's defending them straight up. Um, you know, ultimately, like we talked about, I mean, the Lakers in the regular season, we know it's the regular season. But in the regular season, I think took three out of four against the Warriors um, and took, uh, I want to say, three of those wins came after the trade deadline. Uh, so it was actually these teams matched up. Uh, the one win that the Warriors got was, you know, that other Lakers team that we don't even want to talk about anymore. So, um, so that, I think that'll be a good series, but you know. Yeah. I like Lakers in six. Uh, the reason why I do say seven is just because I feel like as though um, you do have to factor in stuff. Steph's going to win two games on his own uh, with his scoring. He had, he dropped 50, he dropped 50 tonight. So, I mean, you know, Steph is it. I think Steph is probably playing some of the best basketball I've ever seen him play in his career, which is crazy to say he's a uh, a two-time NBA MVP. But you know, when you look at the stuff he's doing inside, I, I just I I think that this is probably some of his best years. I think with his strength, he's not just a three-point shooter, uh, and just watching how he's getting to the goal and and how you know he he's using his body. Uh, to to get those tough points inside, I think that I mean he's on another level right now, and he's zoned in um, in in a way I, I hadn't seen him in, in, in him in a while. Um, but I, I think you know with the Lakers, they're clicking on all cylinders. You know, I think we we beat the Memphis, we beat the Memphis Grizzlies by forty um, on Friday night. I mean, it it just was it just shows you what type of team we have when it's clicking. And the thing I like most about our team is ultimately that LeBron and, and AD are not relied upon so heavily offensively, you know, which we saw in game one against Memphis where uh, we were carried by uh, Austin Reeves and um, we were carried by Austin Reeves and uh, Rui, in which Rui was, was a problem all series. So I think we have the athleticism and we have the young, the young legs to run with, uh, with Golden State. But I think ultimately, I mean, I think Draymond is going to have a, a task on him because most likely he'll be guarding LeBron. And I, I don't think at this point in his career he shut down LeBron what do you think about that matchup I think it is an interesting one um and I think about it from this aspect uh I think that if, if LeBron still had the same lateral quickness that he usually would have um I it would be barbecue chicken with Draymond but you can see I'm not and don't get me wrong because I feel like people listen to this and they'll take offense to it I, when I watch LeBron at this point, I don't see the same burst. I, I don't. You know, I see it at times. Yeah, I see it at times. But yeah, yeah. Like, and he can still, yeah, he can still finish. He can still get up. But like consistently, where as back in the day, if LeBron hunted a mismatch, it's over with. Like he's getting to the rim, and there's no way you're gonna be able to stop it. Yeah. Absolutely. Right now, at this point, it's not quite the same. But it's still, like you said, it, it's ultimately a tough uh, matchup. They don't match up well against our two top guys, like you said, in AD and Bron. So I do think it would be tough for Draymond. He also will not get the opportunity to so much sit back and just be able to quarterback a defense like he typically does and be able to move and help in all the ways that he typically does. Like you can't take off against Bron. The only way that they might try to do something, and to me, Wiggins is going to be too small to handle it. They might try to put Draymond on Vando. And then let Wiggins get some time against LeBron, but Wiggins' frame is just is just to me too small to be able to guard somebody like LeBron. Yeah, I think they'll throw Wiggins at him a little bit, but Wiggins offensively, if he's able to become himself again, which you know he missed an extended amount of time, 
Um, if he's able to come himself again, then you have another aspect you have to account for. But I'm confident. I'm confident that we can handle it. Um, Russell um, was the highlight there. What he dropped thirty. Yeah, he dropped thirty one. Yeah, thirty one. Um, in, in in the closeout game. So we're gonna need all of that. But I, for once, I'm confident that we can handle business, and I think we're gonna win this series. Let me ask you just one question on top of that. Who who guards stuff? I think I think it's gonna have to be a team effort. I think if you're switching, I, I think that it's gonna be a, a collective team effort. But to start off, I mean, you know he's gonna hit screens. And if you are switching, I think that you should put somebody off ball on him. So um, I mean, I think I think Russell you'll throw Russell at him originally, but I think ultimately you have the you have the, I guess, understanding that you'll be switching. So I think it's gonna be a team defensive effort on stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be a team effort. I personally would probably throw reads at him. I think that that's who I would uh, throw at him and let Russell yeah. play against Clay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. I think I what's going to be the yeah. best piece is when Dennis is able to come off the bench and Dennis is able to run off all over. Oh screens. yeah, Dennis is a hog. Yeah, yeah, I think you probably you know when Dennis get out there, definitely when he comes off the bench. But I think. If you can, if you could do the switch action, I think ultimately, I think AD is gonna be involved in a lot of screen action. Or they may, they may, they probably put Vanderbilt in a lot of screen action. Yeah, because you don't want AD out on the perimeter. Not to say AD can hang with Steph, but AD yeah. can hedge. You yeah. know, he he hedges really well, and he can knock him off course. And then you look at Vanderbilt; they'll probably go at Vanderbilt. But I think ultimately it's gonna have to be a team effort. I think Bron gonna go at Steph for a, 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 a small amount of time. Like I said, LeBron at this point in his career, he's great. But I think he pick really, really picks his spots. Like it's, it's so obvious how he picks yeah. his spots offensively, right. Andy. Right, and I think this will be a good. I mean, I think the Memphis series was a good defensive series for him after probably like game, probably about game two and B. You know oh I mean? yeah, I mean he was getting um, the chase down right. blocks, all of it. But I think, um, I think honestly, this series will be a good defensive series from from the standpoint of I think that he will get the Draymond matchup. I don't think that they'll waste Vando in that way, and I hate to say that, but you know what I mean when I I say that. But I I, I think that Vando will guard Wiggins, and to me, likely take Wiggins. You know, out of this series in stretches. I think when Vando has it going as a defender. He's a guy that perimeter guys don't really want to see. Um, and so I think I'd have Brian on Draymond, which is going to free Brian up some because, I mean, we I know what Draymond is offensively. I got a question point. for you. When is Darby Ham going to give up on Malik Beasley, man, and Troy Brown? I Like, we've been saying this for a few episodes now. Like, those minutes are being wasted. Like, if Malik Beasley not knocking down shots, he's irrelevant. Uh, and Troy Brown just doesn't hit shots. Like, Come on, man. All I got to say is go watch the game six film, Darvin Ham. If, if you want any more uh, reason to not do to not play those guys, go watch that game six film. If it were me, I would leave Winion in the rotation like he had Winion in the rotation. And I would add um, I would add my guy, our guy Lonnie. I mean, Lonnie would be yeah. the one who I would bring in because you even saw in Lonnie's limited minutes, I know it was garbage time. I know you can't take too much from garbage time, but you were able to see that Lonnie doesn't just have to sit there and wait for an open look. He's able to actually take you off the dribble, create his own shot. And at this point, he's shooting it better than Malik. So I, I don't understand what Malik is really doing for you because they also aren't defending Malik Beasley like they were doing when he first came to L.A. 
So at, at first, of course, they were chasing him so much off the screens, it's spacing the floor so well. Now he doesn't, to me, even space the floor well because they don't feel that they have to stay attached to him like they were. So I agree with you. Go ahead and, and take him out the rotation. Yeah, yeah, definitely, 100%. So you got the Lakers in six, I got him in seven. So it should be an interesting series, and I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, on the flip side, you have the Celtics and Philadelphia 76ers getting going um earlier was reported today that mb may not play um i just want to ask you how does that affect the series and what are your thoughts and predictions on this one yeah i i think honestly you know if mb does not play or if he's you know severely hampered throughout the course of this series uh you know ultimately philly won't have a chance to beat boston um i think that you know of course they can make it five games maybe a six game series um, but I think that Boston's antennas will be more up on this series, um, not to knock Atlanta in any sense, but I do think that Boston kind of went to sleep a little bit on that and, and didn't respect Atlanta as much and kind of let them back in the series. And so I think that in this Philly series, they're going to be fully focused. Um, and I just don't think that Philly, without the presence of Embiid, matches up well at all against Boston. So short series without Embiid or with Embiid being hampered if Embiid is able to get back by game two or game three and fully be himself. Uh, well, not fully be himself. Obviously, we know he won't be 100%, but be close enough to himself, then it can be a long series. Yeah, I agree. Um, so ultimately, you got the Celtics winning this series, right? I have the Celtics winning this series. Um, I, to just go ahead and put a, an amount of games, I'll say Celtics in six. I think that that covers the bases as much as I can, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Boston is a a very deep team. They're well coached. Um, I think that if if anything, I, I don't know how they really match up against Tatum and Brown. That combination, they really don't have anybody to deal with that length and size on the perimeter. Um, and I think that's going to hurt them on in this series. And, you know, if, if Embiid doesn't play, I mean, you don't have any offense to combat that. Um, Harden is, is still really, really good and has proven that, but he's not the Harden that he was in Houston. Um, so it, it, I think that this series, either way, if NB plays or not, I think this Boston wrapped this up in six. Um, I think that, like you said, Boston can turn it up. I think they, they were a little sluggish in that, that Atlanta series just because it was Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, but I think that now that they know that they are paying better competition, I think that they'll be up for this game and uh, and motivated to get to the conference finals. Um, but then we skipped the we skipped the game. Uh Friday night we had the Suns and Denver play as well, game one. Um, and Denver ended up dominating that game uh wall to wall pretty much. Uh what do you think about that matchup? Is that a one-off game for you? Or or you think that we can continue to see Denver dominate the Suns like they did? Um, I don't think that they will dominate them in the in that same way, but I do think that that um is is where i see this series going and i know we didn't get a chance to record before game one of that series um being saturday night uh but going into the series you know i felt that denver would beat phoenix and this is different from how i felt when phoenix first got assembled but there was a red flag for me when i actually did have a chance to just sit and watch phoenix um, especially in that first round series and really see the lack of depth that they have and see the fact that like it's going to take a Herculean effort from Book and also from uh, KD in order for them to make a long sustained run because they have no depth 
Uh, so those guys will have to routinely play 40 plus minutes, 43 plus minutes, 45 plus minutes in order for them to have a real shot. And Denver is just honestly a deeper team than them. Uh, Denver has a starting lineup that can pretty much still match Phoenix's starting lineup. And then when you just start talking from a depth standpoint, it's not even close from a depth standpoint. So if their starters are neutralizing uh, Phoenix or even outperforming Phoenix like they did really honestly in this game one, then when we talk about from a depth perspective, it's not even close. And that's why I do see, uh, honestly, Denver advancing um, out of this series. And um, I think that at most, um, I see it maybe going six, but I, I think it could potentially be a five-game series. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, you know, it just proves that depth matters, especially when you get in the NBA playoffs. And I mean, KD and, and D Book, as amazing as they are as players, they need more. They need help. And you know, you could clearly see that in game in game one, where you just saw a, a Nuggets team that they're they're subbing out guys and they're still just as dominant. So, um, I, I think it, it it's interesting to see that. But I think the Suns are gonna have to do some retooling this offseason to get. KD to KD and uh KD and, and book some help. Um I think at, at this point in Chris Paul's career, I think that I, I question if he's still a starter um at this point in his career. I really do. I question that because he's just not he just doesn't have the bounce that he wants to have. His explosiveness is merely gone. And this is my guy. I it, it pains me to talk about him this way. Um, but he's not as fe- as effective as a defender. Um, and he's not as as effective as as an offensive player really anymore. So, um, he, you know, things that he does bring is just being able to arrange the offense and set set up set up plays. But as far as him making plays due to his explosiveness or, or, or breaking down a defender, those days look like they're behind him at this point. Um, so, I mean, I, I think the point guard position is something they may need to look at. You know, honestly. Yeah, and I think one thing that did honestly hurt them as well too is, um, and not to to hype this guy up more than what he is. But I do think campaign and the, the amount of time that he missed and him just working his way back, uh, I think has hurt uh, and hampered this team because I, I do feel that as stretches, even in years past, he could give you, you know, decent minutes when Chris Paul is not out yep. there. But I think that the fact that, you know, he was injured for that duration of time and just trying to work his way back. I don't know if he'll be able to totally work his way back into a rhythm and all of that prior to this series, you know, inevitably ending like it, I foresee it ending. Uh, what I would say as well, too, is I get it. I know he's going up against Jokic, but Aiden is going to have to be better. Aiden is going to have to be better. Aiden cannot be just an average big. He cannot be playing like even a slightly above average. They need DeAndre Aiden playing at an all-star level. Um, I, I won't say superstar. I'm not expecting him to, to completely neutralize Jokic in any way, shape, or form, but he's gonna have to give you 20, 22 and and 12 a night. He's gonna have to give you that. Like he's gonna have to give you nights where he's able to give you 28 and 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 13, you know, and so he's gonna have to play better. If he doesn't play better, they also have no shot. Yeah, and that's the that's their third guy, you know, when you look at it at this point. Chris Paul is we know what he is a parental first ballot Hall of Famer, but at this point in his career, he's aged out. You know, uh, he can be semi-effective, but we know that the third guy is Aiden, and, you know, that's that's a guy that got to step up here, but uh, like you said, uh, but should be interesting. They, they square off again tomorrow night after the Celtics and the, and, uh, the Sixers wrap up, so uh, on tomorrow night. Uh, 
We'll, we'll talk about it, man, the NFL draft. Uh, but before we get into that, we had two huge signs. We got Lamar Jackson signed, finally signed with the Ravens, which was a good deal there. What are your thoughts there? Uh, I'm glad that they got it done, man. Um, ultimately, he's he's worth the money. Uh, I know that some people were feeling, and I had this feeling for a little bit, too, of like, man, should should he have an agent? You know, if he had an agent, would this already be done? <laughs> I definitely um, said it. Yeah. I think, I, I think if he had Asian, it would have been done. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> but, I mean, ultimately they got it done. I think that it's something that was necessary for both sides. He deserved his money. But, I mean, they do need a guy. You know, Lamar Jackson is a top five quarterback in the league. Um, and so when you have a guy like that, you have to make sure that he gets his money. And I think that it really helped him that Jalen Hurts got his deal because that really kind of helped to set the structure um and put his structure really in place for what he was looking for so I, I i'm glad that it ultimately got done yeah i'm glad i mean living out here in the, in the dmv area you definitely um talk to a lot of baltimore ravens fans and you you had some fans that were just would you would hear them say hey you know let him walk what leverage does he have and i'm like hey man this guy's won an nfl mvp um you i, I compared it to the saints you know you look at us We've had a, a pretty much a Super Bowl defense for the past five five seasons, legitimately. And because of the lack of quarterback play and Drew's decline, and then our just us not being able to to settle in on the quarterback, whether it was Jameis or Andy Dalton ultimately, we had issues. And that that points to the the importance of the quarterback position. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. So I think if this, if 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 you get a quarterback in play and you got a superstar quarterback you you that you can have locked in for the next 10 years you do it um and i think that that's that's what ultimately you saw in play here and i you know not to sound like a mockingbird because i probably said this in previous podcasts um but when you have somebody as 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 special as lamar you got to go ahead and lock him in so i'm glad they got it done i'm glad he got his money and now it's back to work he got some weapons he got odell beckham we'll get into the draft in just a second and zay flowers which is you know, a very explosive guy. So they got him some weapons. So we'll see what happens with the Ravens and where they go from here uh, in their in their ascension. And then you got Aaron Rodgers. Finally, finally, the Jets were able to get a deal done for him. Um, do you feel like Do you feel like the the Jets gave up too much for him? Um, I don't think so. Ultimately, you know, when you get can get a guy of Aaron Rodgers caliber, and when you saw the way that that team was able to. To me, um, you know, ex- exceed past the expectations or whatever uh, last year. Uh, they they really are you know, potentially a quarterback away. I mean, the defense looked really good. You had the offensive rookie of the year. You had the defensive rookie of the year. You'll get uh, Brees a Hall back um, in the backfield. You know, you went out and added even one of his targets that he likes in Alan Lazard. So I think that, man, when you get an opportunity to have a guy like Aaron Rodgers for a couple of years, because, you know, he's acknowledged this isn't a one year, you know, window in his mind. He's not just coming there to be there for a year and head straight out. Um, I think that, you know, it was it was worth um, honestly what they gave up. Uh, so I, I think that it was it was worth it. But I mean, I don't know what's your thoughts on it. Oh, I like it. I mean, you said everything I thought. I mean, I think that they were a quarterback away. And, you know, again, just, you know, it's not ironically, we just came off a quarterback conversation. Quarterback is the most important position on the field. And when you've got a guy like Aaron Rodgers, first, first Bradley Hall of Famer, again, you, you got to go ahead and get him. And it gives you a shot every time. 
Um, I think that Aaron put a lot of thought into where he was going to go. And with the Packers, he didn't have the weapons. You know, he had Alan Lazard and, and those guys. But, you know, coming here, he has a, a, a slew of weapons to throw to. Um, in in uh, you, you name him, get uh, Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson, yeah, Garrett yep. Wilson, and Brees, still like got, you mentioned, yeah, Brees, he still got uh, Elijah still over there too, huh? Elijah, I, I, or did I they think, did they move I him? They, I think they moved him. They moved they got, him. They got Corey uh over there though, Corey Davis. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they got some good good weapons there. So we'll we'll see what he's able to do with them. Um, but I think that he, when when you look at that squad, it's plug and play there. And Aaron knew that it gave him the best shot to put himself in a position to win a Super Bowl. And, you know, the Jets haven't had a lot to cheer about in a while. And now they can finally be happy that they finally got their guy. So um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the trade. I think that Aaron deserves to go out his career competing. And it doesn't seem like the Packers were too invested in him and drafting Jordan Love and you know, you know, not drafting wide receivers when they could have in previous draft. I mean, they they kind of just pretty much said it without saying that they're not really invested in a rod like that. They're just invested in their team, I guess. So, um, so I mean, I think it was a good move, uh, and I think that they did the right thing there. So, yep, yeah, no, so, I agree with you. Yeah, man. So you got the draft uh, here. Um, I mean, we we can start we can start off there. Uh, we probably would have to, you know. Do I think, but the draft, man, what what were your thoughts on it? I mean, it I mean, for once, I, I'll give you my preliminary thoughts. I thought that the draft this year, it didn't have the names that it has had in previous years. So it, it wasn't really that exciting <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, I wasn't as locked in as I once was, as I have been um in the draft. So I mean, it just lets you know how it, it was a weak class, I would think. I mean, I guess it's too soon to say, but um, yeah. I, I, those were my initial thoughts about the draft. I mean, I, I do think that there was there's you know some star power there. Maybe not you know there's not the names like a Joe Burrow coming out or the names like a the Joe Mar Chase or the B Homers right here. Obviously, to say those kind of names. <laughs> um, but you know, I do feel that um, that it was one of those that we see year in and year out. Man, it was smokescreen central leading up to the draft. Like, oh, yeah. you know. I feel like the biggest piece was we heard all of this stuff about C.J. Stroud the last couple of weeks, and things went like we thought they were going to go. Bryce Young won, C.J. Stroud too. Like we felt for months that whether you said which one would go one or two, but we felt that those were going to be the top two guys off the draft board. And then the last couple of weeks we hear all oh, this about C.J. Stroud, and then we hear about the testing metrics, and then we hear about this and that, <laughs> only for him to go top two like we thought for months and months. Um, so I thought that honestly, you know, it wasn't a lot of surprises. Um, I will say hats off. I, I hate that they're our division rival, but hats off to Houston for uh, making the move that they made to to bump back up and get into that top three and get, you know, in their minds, their top offensive guy and their top defensive guy uh, to try to get their cornerstones on both sides of the ball, you know, in this draft. So, hats off to them for this move and um i thought that several teams had strong drafts i thought that my Colts had a strong draft um but man i felt that the eagles made a lot of noise <laughs> i feel like I the know, eagles they, they so frustrated me they they i don't really understand how they keep able to they basically just retooling every <laughs> like it's scary it's to scary get, to get to get those guys in the first round i'm like to get those guys in the draft i'm like man 
They really doing. They playing chess over there, man. Yeah, I mean, and, and at this point, can we start calling them the Philadelphia Bulldogs? Because they got <laughs> so many Georgia players. Like, if you just look at their team, it's Georgia player after Georgia player after Georgia player. And not only from a draft perspective, but then they go and make the DeAndre Swift trade to get another Georgia player. Like, yeah, you man, know. What, a, what did you think about that? DeAndre Swift, man. They just didn't. They, just, I guess, Dan Campbell doesn't like his style of running. I don't know what it is. I don't get it, man. I honestly don't get it. You know, now I do understand the shelf life of running backs, and I do understand the, the talent level of Jameer Gibbs. I, I really like yeah, Jameer yeah, Gibbs. Nice. Like, yeah, like to me, team. he's Alvin Kamara 2.0. That's that's how I look at him. Um, but man, they just have I don't I think they don't like the durability of Swift. And I think that that's ultimately what it comes down to. And that's why you saw, you know, Jamal Williams had to take such a heavy road, a load this past time around, and then they made sure that they brought in David Montgomery, and I think that that's ultimately what it came down to them. Yeah, the writing was on the wall. I mean, you went and got David Montgomery, and then you drafted him here again. So I was like, okay. I was like, DeAndre Swift is about to find a new home here. But, yeah, I mean, durability is the best availability. The best ability <laughs> is availability. Yeah. And with, with Swift, I don't think it is, but I think that the Eagles could afford to take that chance on him because when he's out there he's pretty talented he's pretty talented pretty explosive we know what he can do when he's on the field so i think he's a prototypical eagles running back too he can catch the ball he can run it you know yeah no i i agree and i think the thing about it is that to me and i get it you go ahead and get jameer gibbs he's that type of talent but it ultimately it lowered the value to me of deandre swift because it signified hey we just want to get rid of this guy so, you know, to me, nah, I know it's it's easier said than done. And maybe Jameer Gibbs goes higher than 12 in your mind and you don't, you know, think about moving them sooner. But, like, why not move Swift sooner when your back maybe isn't up against the wall to, to get rid of him, you know? And I guess they feel that, okay, let's go ahead and get Gibbs in our back pocket. But I don't think Gibbs was going any higher than 12, like – the yeah. only running back that obviously was going to go that high was B. John Robinson. Yeah. Um, so and Saints got to deal with him two times a year. <laughs> yeah, which is not fun at all. But ultimately, like you said, just getting back to the Eagles thing, man, it's it's just it's crazy. You know, you go out and get Jalen Carter to pair him with Jordan Davis. Uh, once again, that is ridiculous across that D line. I don't understand the Chicago Bears reasoning and rationale of trading back a pick right there. When in my mind, they had the ultimate gift. So you not only trade the number one pick to get assets from Carolina, you would have traded that, gotten those assets, and then gotten arguably the best player in the draft just sitting there at nine. But you elect to say, you know what? No, let's trade back. Let's get a, another fourth round pick or whatever it was to trade back and let the Eagles come up and grab arguably the best player in this draft. I think the Bears just get too cute. You know, they just simply put, they just get too cute at times. And I think that this would probably one that they want back. Because, uh, uh, I mean, I don't know, man. Eagles just, man, I, I can't say too much because my Saints helped to it, <laughs> helped them out too. But I'm just saying, yeah. man. Hindsight is twenty twenty with that, though. I think that, uh, honestly, I don't think that in the moment anyone would have thought to do that differently. 
I think that in the moment, it was a good move, honestly, for y'all. But hindsight is twenty twenty, And so, you know, it just, it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is, like you said. But, brother, I'm going to set the table for you and let you have the floor. Of course, your coach had a top with, y'all had the third pick, you know. So, yeah, fourth, fourth pick, you know. So, you know, of course, y'all was in the market for a running back. Y'all decided to go Anthony Richardson here. Uh, of course, you're a coach fan, so I'll let you have the floor here, man. Your thoughts on that? Um, okay, so what I will say is over the course of what, how many hours has it been? 72 hours uh, since we initially talked about this. Um, I am definitely in a better place with the pick, and I, I feel I see the vision. Let me just say it that way. So, I'm going to give full scale, full scope here. I Y'all have known for the longest. Probably people go look at my tweets, all that kind of stuff. I'm a CJ Stroud guy. CJ Stroud has been my guy. And so for the longest, you know, obviously I wanted things to be able to work out for us to find a way to go get CJ Stroud. Uh, but I knew that that obviously would be tough uh, for that to be able to happen. So at where we sat with that fourth pick, uh, with knowing that Bryce Young and CJ Stroud would be unavailable, you have to go QB and QB with the highest upside. And um, that's what Anthony Richardson is. I am a guy, and we've talked about it off air. I don't think any of us are Will Levis guys. Uh, I don't think any of us really no. too much believe in Will Levis. I never understood the hype. <laughs> I never yeah. understood it. Right. And so when you're sitting there and you're a quarterback uh, and your team that's been in this quarterback frenzy, since uh, Andrew Luck, honestly, uh, retired, you had your Jacoby Brissett year, uh, you had your Philip Rivers year, you had your uh, Carson Wentz year, you had your Matt Ryan year. Um, and what you keep hearing from me every time is saying year, year. And these are mostly guys who, you know, are beyond their best days in the league. So you have to go and get that hopeful franchise uh, cornerstone, that franchise QB. And you get a guy in Anthony Richardson that has similar tools. I'm not going to say they're the same, obviously, at all, but similar tools to what Jalen Hurts had coming into the league. Um, he, to me, is probably a little bit better of an athlete than Jalen, but I do think that Jalen came into the league as a better, more polished quarterback, even if people don't want to acknowledge that. Um, I think that that year at Oklahoma was excellent for Jalen, and I think that that is what has helped to propel him. But I think you look at similar skill set, you look at him being with Steichen, who... Uh, had his time, of course, um, with Justin Herbert and has, of course, had time with Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's a guy that's looked at to be a QB guru, and he was really invested in the Anthony Richardson pick and really told um, he told Ballard that, man, this guy can be special. And so I think that ultimately, with all of it being said, you know, I wasn't the biggest Anthony Richardson guy coming into the draft. But as I told you, we had to take a QB and Anthony Richardson was the best pick for us there. And I believe that if he has that top-tier level work ethic, that he can turn into a really good player. But I'm also, too, you know, I'm going to be honest with it and call it for what it is. I didn't love Anthony Richardson's film. I don't I don't just look at the three- and four-minute highlight tapes where you're showing me you being able to run 50 yards and you throwing a 60-yard bomb. I like to actually watch the games and truly dissect the film I haven't. I didn't love it, but I do see what he can be. Yeah, I mean, he definitely, he got the tools, and you know, it. Did y'all have a choice? You know, that's what we talked about. 
No. And you, when you look at it, no, you didn't. You know, it, it was you, you're going to take a quarterback there. You had to. Um, and I think that he does have the tools, like you mentioned, to be something special. Um, I've seen uh, I've seen Donovan McNabb comparison. So if he can, if he could be anything like Donovan McNabb, you know, if you keep up with the NFL, I mean, Donovan McNabb was was pretty good. So if he could be anything like that uh, with athleticism and can throw and 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 absorb the offense, I think I mean you got to take that chance and, and see what see what he's going to be. Um, he seems like he's hungry. He he says all the right things. It seems like he want to be great. So, I mean, we'll see, man. But I think, like you said, I, I don't think they would have took that chance unless they had a plan for him. So we'll see. We'll see how that go. Um, with Bryce Young, just with the Panthers, what, what do you see there? How long do you think that's going to work? Because I, I, I get why they took him because he was the best quarterback in the draft. Uh, I mean, I'm a CJ Stroud guy, but I felt like it was one A one B to me. Yeah, but um, it you know, I I just feel like they're they're ways off still. You know, I think they're ways off for being competing again, even with Bryce. No, I agree 100 percent with that. And you know, even in the trade to get Bryce, you know that you had to make to get up there, you gave away his best weapon. <laughs> like you gave away <laughs> the potential best weapon that he could have. So, you know, I mean, I really don't see what's really surrounding him there. Now, I do, you know, I do feel that uh, Frank Reich is a good coach. I, I'm not one that is as down on his tenure uh, as a coach, you know, with the Colts and then seeing knowing what he did with the Eagles as well. So I do think that they have a good coach and I do think that he will do ultimately well with Bryce Young. But they're going to have to get some pieces around them. I mean, of course, we know, obviously, getting rid of Christian McCaffrey last season. Um, now DJ Moore is gone. Um, it's like what is really great that's there surrounding him. Um, yeah, it's going to be rough for Bryce the first couple of years, needless to say. Yeah. Uh, but I think Houston nailed it, though. I like C.J. Stroud and, and Will Anderson. I really, really like those two picks, man. That I, They, like – that that's huge. I mean, Will Anderson is a guy that's ready to play right now. I think Stroud, I think he's going to be serviceable this year, but I think he's going to be really, really good in the league. I mean, I think when you do that, Houston is well on their way to trying to trying to build. Like they're trying to build something there. Yeah, um, I hope it doesn't work because uh, obviously they play in a certain division. Um, obviously, my favorite <laughs> team plays in. NFC. <laughs> they obviously play NFC. in the same division NFC as as South. us, AFC South. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, like you said, man, I, I like those two pieces, man. I, I, as you've talked about, I mean, we're both CJ Stroud guys. I think that Will Anderson is up there as a, a top three defensive player in this draft. Um, and so, man, I, I really like what they did. And I think that, you know, of course too, it's being talked about, but I don't know if talked about enough and I don't think that this guy is dominant, but I think he'll be a good piece. For C.J. Stroud is John Mechie, you know, coming yeah. back and what he fought through um, to have that opportunity to come back. But I think he's going to be a really good piece, honestly, for for C.J. Stroud. Um, I'm sure Bryce Young will tell C.J. Um, about what John Mechie can do. Yeah. Um, so I think that I think that the, the thing about it and like you were talking about Bryce's situation versus C.J., I think that C.J. is in a better position than Bryce is in. Yeah, he definitely is in a, in a in a in a better position, man. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, I mean, my Saints took Brian Breesy, 
with their yep. first pick. Uh, solid pick. We we love the defensive tackle, defensive lineman type picks. But other than that, I think it was a solid pick for us. Um, but, I mean, again, I mean, it, it wasn't really too much exciting. Uh, Joey Porter going to the Steelers. That's some fun stuff there, huh? Yeah. No, I thought that that was very cool. I think that that was one of the coolest moments of the trial. I, yeah, I would say that. And uh, along with that, I would think uh, the Dallas Cowboys pick, they picked uh, the running back. His dad's on the scout team. I thought that was pretty cool, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I forgot what his name What What's his name? Uh, let me see. Dang. I can't remember his name. Hold on. I think I should. Uh, you talking about um, – you talking about Deuce Vaughn? Yeah, Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, yep. I thought that was, that was a pretty cool moment. And Deuce Vaughn can play, man. He's, yeah, he he's can, small, yeah. but he can play. Yeah, he slaughtered. He slaughtered uh, th- those last uh, games that he played. That's when he was really put on the map. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think it was overall, you know, uh, uh, just like you said, a boring draft. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think you know you can't have a good, but I, I feel like the last like three drafts were really, really exciting and good, like. You know, I guess you can't have a good one four years in a row, right? Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> so I, I know people will be excited for next year with Caleb Williams coming out. Um, oh, yeah, Caleb, Caleb Williams a dog, man. Yeah, it's going to be And Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, yeah, Marvin Harrison, man. That dude's something special, man. If you want to tank, tank against that dude. That dude is special. Oh, yeah. That guy oh, is man. special. Wide receiver one for, from day one. Um, yeah, on whatever team he yeah. plays, absolutely, man. But yeah, I think that's about it, man. I think we did it again. We'll continue our NBA playoffs, uh, coverage. Go Lakers, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, and you know, we underdogs here, but it look like we, you know, we're making a little noise. I think, I think people don't want to see us, they, they're not gonna say it, but I like flying under the radar. What you think? Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, I definitely like it too, but you know, I. <laughs> We we got the pieces, like you said, this year. And so um I, I'm confident in what this team can do. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So. I would I would say one more, one more thing. I know we about to wrap. Um and just one more homer moment. But man, how about that other purple and gold, man? Them lady tigers. Oh yeah, them, Haley Van. Lip. You know that's my girl, man. <laughs> you know that's my girl, man. That, Haley Van Lip. Yeah, man. I was excited when when that when that notification came through, man. I, man, I, Kim, man, she building something special, bro. I and told if, you. And if Anissa Morrow comes, oh, it's over with. It's over with. If if she comes, <laughs> it's over with, man. Hey. I look at Haley. Haley is an upgrade above Alexis. She is. She offense is. is not going to be a problem. So no. you're getting a girl that can average 20 points. So offense is going to flow now. Yeah. And then we got Michaela Williams coming through. Then we got Flage. A bucket. A bucket. And, yeah. So, I mean, man, we, and we I love thing, what you're doing. Right. The thing is, right now, you already have four players that can give you 20 on even, any given night. You got yeah. four players, like you didn't say it in Haley, Michaela, Flage, and then, of course, Angel and what she does. Four. Four of them that can give you 20 a night at any point. You add Anissa Morrow to that, not as five players. And then now your experience that you had from last year and ones who had to have heavy minutes in the rotation, they become your depth. And you still on top of that brought in other good recruits in that number one recruiting <laughs> class. You know, um, 
uh Del Rosario, she's a big, she's gonna take a little bit more time to develop. Like yeah. if you watch she's her, six she's, five, that's a six, she's five six five girl, right? Yeah, six five. She'll be able to play in spurts, but she needs to develop. But she'll help you no matter what from a depth standpoint, getting boards, all of that. Samaya so Smith is gonna be good this year, coming into her sophomore year. And then even to the other girls in that recruiting class, um, Angelica Velez, the the point guard, she is she yeah. is uh, she is underrated, man. She is underrated. So like Kim Walker and Janae Ken, I don't want to, I don't want to knock her and not say her name as well too. Shout out to her, but uh, Kim Walker got it rolling, man. Man, she got it rolling. I told you offline, I believe. I was like, man, South Carolina better count their days. They, they just should have got it done this year because, yeah. man, Kim did it in two years and it's without her playing. Like this is gonna be her first year really getting her real recruits. So it's yeah. like, man, but Haley is special, man. I, I. I I want, I'm mad that I don't live there no more to see a game because I'm like, bro, she is nice, bro. I put in for season tickets. I'm gonna see kind of how it lands <laughs> or what. That's how you I, feel. <laughs> I put in for season tickets, and then I know, of course, obviously, we know if I don't go to the games, and you know, I'll sell my tickets. But I just want to make sure that I'm in there because uh, they're gonna be legit, bro. They're gonna be legit. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, what I say at this point is, why would you not want to be at LSU? Like, yeah. why not at this point? Yeah. When you also see what they're doing from an NIL standpoint, when you look at the fact that as from a women's athletic standpoint, LSU has three out of the top four women in NF NIL valuations and now four out of the top eight with Haley Van Lift joining. And then the vibe that LSU has with Angel Reese and Flage and all that and Kim Markey yeah, as the coach. The yeah. Like, why would you not want to be a part of that? So, Man, I tell you what, um, with with what athlete. LSU's been doing athletically, baseball killing it, you know, gymnastics killing it, you know, killed it. You know, I mean, we're we in a good spot in, in athlete, athletics, bro, right now, man. We're we killing it right now. Golden but, era. Golden era, man. But uh, what is something else I had to say about Haley? Oh, Haley was a Kobe protege. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's when I, you know, that's why I first heard about her, really, you know, just because Kobe uh was 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 uh she's a she looks up to Kobe huge Kobe fan Kobe mentored her you know so I mean Haley Haley she a dog man and she got that dog and she kind of reminds you of a little Kim right she <laughs> bro is crazy it's crazy she is look she is Kim all over again <laughs> like they showed the pictures of Kim with the pigtails when she was at Louisiana Tech and yeah. now Haley how she rocks them I mean the coaching staff has acknowledged and said that man this is is Kim all over again and then the thing about it, like you mentioned, the Kobe connection. I mean, Vanessa was already connected to the program in the way she sent the Kobe's to the team for this yeah. past NCAA tournament and her connection with Kim Mulkey. So now you got Haley Van Lith with that too. Like, come on, bro. How do you how do you beat that? <laughs> yeah, man. We turned this into an LSU podcast. I love it. Yeah, yeah. But nah, man, we're we gonna wrap it up on that note, on a high note, of course. Uh you can catch us on socials O underscore benchwarmers. On Twitter and Instagram, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. That's how uh, the bread and butter is made. You can subscribe on any pl uh, platform that you like to listen to, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, um, just wherever you like to listen to. We're also on Spotify as well. So uh, just make sure you check us out. Pass it on to a friend if you like what you're listening. Until next time, we out of here. Later.